0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of my podcast. It is called Airing It Out Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks again for being with us. On this uh, podcast episode, I want to thank a few people. Uh, First of all, I'd like to thank uh, UNH Radio Voice, Mike Murphy, who joined us last week. Merrimack had just the one game on the schedule. uh, Saturday night, a 4-3 win on the road at UNH, and Mike was uh, kind enough to join us. We had a wonderful discussion. I'd also like to thank Mark Diver, who was with us a couple of weeks ago. I was remiss uh, in uh, not mentioning him last week, but uh, Mark was with us as well. So we've had some great hockey talk over the past uh, several weeks, and uh, we are now steaming full ahead to the final week of the regular season. As you know, I've been talking to the broadcasters of the opposing teams that Merrimack has played, and uh, we're down to the final two, and it is a huge weekend series coming up. The Merrimack Warriors are going to take on the Northeastern Huskies. It'll be the first of two meetings between the two teams coming up Friday at Matthews Arena in Boston, and then the rematch on Saturday night at Lala Rink in North Andover. A huge, huge weekend series, and it's my distinct pleasure to bring in my good friend and a man who's been at Northeastern for four and a half decades doing the play-by-play for the Huskies on Northeastern Radio. My good friend Rob Rudnick is with us. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon.
1: John, you are welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Hope we'll be able to entertain your listeners for a few minutes.
0: Indeed, we will, Rob. And I'll tell you, Merrimack and Northeastern, As you, if you take a look at the standings here, both teams coming into play tonight tied with 41 points. Now, the Huskies are getting set to play up in Vermont. Uh, that game is going to start about an hour and 20 minutes from now. Of course, by the time we publish this tomorrow, the game will be over. But, uh, Rob, is it fair to say that this might be the biggest uh, regular season series that Merrimack and Northeastern have ever had? Uh, a lot on the line.
1: Yeah, regular season, absolutely. I thought you were going to bring up the nineteen eighty eight NCAA two games total (laughs) goals series that was big for the Merrimack Warriors and your fans and alumni and uh, players and whatnot. But uh, yeah, this is what a just to see Merrimack in that tie for second at this point in Hockey East. What a terrific year, Uh, and I hope you and Mike Macnick have enjoyed you're broadcasting, you're
0: having a lot of fun. Well, we sure are, uh, Rob. And, you know, every time Merrimack and Northeastern get together, it's, it's a great game. Although the Huskies have had the Warriors number as of late. Uh, Merrimack, Northeastern is the team that Merrimack has the longest drought against in uh, overall. Uh, the Warriors have gone winless in the last seven. And, uh, Rob, this Northeastern team is playing good hockey. The Huskies coming into play tonight have won three in a row coming into this game in Vermont. Uh, so what do you feel has been successful as of late?
1: Well, they've played, you're right, they've played so well. They lost by a goal in the bean pot on the second night to DU with just a couple minutes left. And that, I think, got them down a little bit, so they didn't win the next game. But the last three games, Northeastern has played about as well as they can, and they've won them. And they've got Devin Levi back, who is just a terrific goaltender. Uh, I, Northeastern's had some good ones, but I'd say even though he's only been on the team, for one year, he was injured last year and couldn't play. And he'd be on the Mount Rushmore of Northeastern goaltenders joining Bruce Racine, Brad Teeson, and Caden Primo.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're we're going to talk uh, about the goaltending shortly. We'll talk, you know, kind of position by position, Rob, here. But I think one of the strange things is if you take a look at the standings, both of these teams, Merrimack and Northeastern, can finish as high as first and as low as sixth. That gives you an idea of what kind of parity we're looking at in hockey, doesn't it?
1: It does. And with three points on the line every game now for a regulation win, it really changes your immediate reaction when you look at the standings page, it used to be two points for a win. So the movement would be less. But with three, it makes sense that uh, I think it's about eight points that separate the top seven schools right now in Hockey East. Even though, and within that, the UMass Minutemen are in first place by four or five points anyway.
0: Yeah, they sure are. UMass cannot finish any lower than third, and the Minutemen have clinched a uh, home game in the quarterfinals, but we'll get to the league stuff in just a little bit, Rob. I thought we'd take a look at this uh, team in all three phases, and you know, you take a look at the offensive production on this Northeastern team, Rob, and you've got five players with 20 points or more, and the first guy that kind of jumps off the page is Aiden McDonough. He had a big weekend against UConn as you swept the Huskies, and uh, he has 22 goals, so he's been a terrific player for you guys
1: yeah you know we've got th- i think three players in the games this weekend just got named a weekly winners you know mcdonough's the player of the week and you've got zach Ewan's defender of the week and levi was the goaltender of the week. right right so uh yeah mcdonough's been terrific and he is a playmaker he's not only a goal scorer if you watch the highlights you'll see that he likes to pass the puck he's got two the line that he's playing on right now with Ty Jackson and Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, uh, they're at the top of their game at the moment. And they've had a lot of fun the last few games.
0: Yeah, that sure seems that way. And you mentioned Fontaine and uh, he's put up solid numbers as well. Seven goals, 15 assists. And he comes from a real hockey family, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. His sister is a star on the Northeastern women's team. And they've had a lot of success as well. I know this is not a show about women's hockey, but, uh, they played for the national championship last year. And uh, Dave Flynn is the head coach there. And he's he's doing a terrific job. And there's a chance they could get back there. So uh, we'll see how that goes.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you've got another guy, Rob, uh, who has eclipsed the 20-point mark. And uh, Sam Colangelo with nine goals and 13 assists. Tell us a little bit about him.
1: Yeah, he's a big kid. He's over 6'2", uh, over 200 pounds, very strong on the puck, Uh You know, skates very freely, uh, good hand-eye coordination, and he's been injured, you know, not played in every game since he came up. He's a sophomore, and I think he's played about 30 games now over two seasons, but he's really emerging as well. Uh, So I think – and Northeastern isn't a big team. They don't have a lot of big, tall, strong physical forwards. So Colangelo is one. Uh, Yakov Novak is another who's a transfer from Bentley and he's had some very good games as well. He's got close to 40 goals now uh, in his entire uh, collegiate career with Bentley and now with Northeastern.
0: And uh, you touched on Ty Jackson earlier. I I know that from past experience watching both Jacksons play, uh, they have killed Merrimack in the past. So uh, Ty Jackson is another weapon that Merrimack's going to have to be concerned with this weekend.
1: Yes, Northeastern's speed at the forward position has been when they're on, they're making it difficult for some of the defensive cores that uh, Northeastern has played against. And these days, a lot of defensive players like to play offense, too, especially in hockey. So what Northeastern can do periodically, if they can catch you in a numbers game uh, and the defense players for the other team getting a little bit too deep, uh, Northeastern can turn that into offense in the transition game. And Jackson is one of the real good forwards with some speed. and. Uh, unfortunately, his brother uh, Dylan has been hurt. He's been out here, but Ty uh, would be playing with him if they both were healthy.
0: Well, Rob, let's take a look at the defense. A couple of names jump off the page. Let's start with Jordan Harris. Uh, five goals, thirteen assists, eighteen points. He has been steady at a rock, steady as a rock, back on the blue line for the Huskies, hasn't he?
1: Yes, you can't ask more of a captain. Jordan Harris has been one of the best leaders Northeastern's had. You know, his dad was a, a hockey player, played goal at UMass Lowell. Uh, so Jordan is from the area. It's from Haverhill, Mass. And uh, he understands, I think, the complexities of the game, both on and off the ice. And one of the reasons Northeastern has had a really good locker room and has been able to come back from losing streaks, you know, it's players like Jordan Harris who uh, really has a handle on things, as I say. Plus, he's a very good. He's a Montreal Draft a Canadian draft pick, and uh, I think we're likely to see him in the pros at some point. But but he's been a good leader and a really good player, and he also is one of these guys that logs a lot of minutes. You he could hit thirty some nights. You know that's wow. how much time he plays.
0: And another guy, Rob, who's been very impressive for Northeastern is Jaden Struble. Uh, he seems to have come into his own. Ten points, uh, but again, he's been another guy back on that Northeastern blue line that has provided a lot of stability.
1: He has, and its he only has, I think, seven goals at Northeastern. This is his third season this junior year, and he gets some chances, and he is in the offensive zone a lot. He's a strong, tough kid. He'll lead the team in penalties, uh, so he's going to take some penalties here and there. Uh, but, again, you're right. You, you picked out some, some of the keys uh, to Northeastern's attack this season.
0: And, of course, the most important part or the most productive part of this Northeastern team, Rob, has been goaltending. Devin Levi, boy, there aren't enough adjectives and superlatives to describe what this young man has done for the Huskies. Uh, He's 18-7-1. He's got a goals against under two, nine shutouts. That is is insane. And his save percentage is right up around 950. I'm going to start with him. He went off to the Olympics in Beijing, didn't see any action over there, but he came back. and. Picks up sixty saves against UConn, so uh, this <laughs> this kid really is something special.
1: He is, and I was trying to remember. and You will know this uh, being the Merrimack guy, is that I I, I recall was it Rasmus Kieranin who had a sixty-plus save game? Yeah, that was against the North yeah, that was the double overtime, double yeah, overtime. Yeah, but sixty saves that's a rarity, and he yeah he he just has such comfort in goal and he understands the angles. he's square to the puck he's positionally strong he sees behind him real well a lot of plays get set up when they get the goaltenders on a swivel and they are things of begin from behind the net and they can get the goaltender just off enough so you can create out front and he it just doesn't happen with him he's um he's just so strong and he has that economy of movement where he's not flailing away or very out of position uh, you have to you have to score honest goals uh, to beat him. And, and he's uh, yeah, having one, a great year. Just couldn't imagine them having a better goaltender than he. And they were good when he was away. He missed seven games. Northeastern went four and three with a freshman named T.J. Semptonfelter from New Jersey. And he was wonderful. You know, he played really well, too. So Northeastern found that they had a, a backup that that could do it.
0: Yeah, I was at the Bean Pot, and I, I saw every minute of every game that he played, and I'd like to touch on him in a minute. But uh, just to get back to Levi for one second, uh, you know, you see the confidence in him rising and rising from game to game. How much do you think that's rubbed off on the on this Northeastern team, knowing that, hey, our goalie's on, go- only going to give up one or two goals a night. That That's got to relax everybody.
1: Yeah, you know, John, I'm sure you've experienced this with coaches along the way, and they'll tell you that when the goaltender – when the team has confidence in the goaltender, it really does trickle down all the way through the lineup, of uh, both forwards and defense, and it does make a difference. And you know that if perchance you make a mistake here or there, you're going to be okay most of the time, That the goaltender will come through at his end, and, and that's been the case with Northeastern.
0: And you mentioned Semtenfelter. Uh, he he has solid numbers in the games that he's played. He's four and three with a goals against of two point oh five. But uh, you know, I'm almost inclined to say, Rob, maybe Levi going off to the Olympics may have been a blessing in disguise because now you see what you have in Semtenfelter, and boy, he sure looks like a good insurance policy for the Huskies.
1: Yes, agree. If uh, Northeastern knows that if anything were to happen to Levi, they have a guy they can play. Boston University had the same thing with uh, their Dupletti, who played really well uh, while Camesso was off with the Olympics.
0: Right, right. Uh, Rob, another thing I've noticed about this Northeastern team, the penalty kill is terrific. Uh, The lead hockey is 90.4% efficiency on the penalty kill. You're one of the top PK teams in the country. What do you think has made that uh, unit so successful?
1: Well, they're coached by Mike McLaughlin, who you may remember was a captain at Northeastern, yes. one of the best defensive forwards that played has played at Northeastern, and he has a good handle on it. And they and they also have committed to it. You know, you really have to commit to play defense uh, if you want to be a good penalty kill, and uh, they do. And it starts with the defensemen. Some, you know, some people we usually say the broadcasters. Here are the two forwards out on the penalty kill, But a lot of times, the key are the two defensive players, the defensemen who are out there. And Northeastern, they bought into it. They like it. They work at it. And they have four pretty good forwards that they can uh, move in and out of there uh, to team up uh, with the opponent power play. So I think that's had a lot to do with their success.
0: And what what do they say, Rob? Your goaltender is your best penalty killer. And, again, that goes back to Levi, who's been so solid. So uh, if Merrimack gets chances on the power play this weekend, uh, they're really going to have to uh, earn their power play goals.
1: Right, right. And you've got – I don't know which goaltenders your team is going to play this week, but you've got a good combo there, too. And you have – is your other goalie number one, is he 6'8"? Is that true?
0: Yes, New York Ranger pick Hugo Olas, uh six foot eight, and he has uh, really stepped in and done a terrific job in his freshman season. So uh again, we won't know till close to game time who Scott Borek is gonna play in goal, but it should be a it should be a colossal goaltending battle.
1: Yep. yep. Looking forward to it. You're right. It's a big uh, two big games. Both schools are gonna be in the playoffs, they're gonna have a good scene in hockey east probably and uh, and it might be uh, the lead into them playing again uh, in the playoffs, either in that first round or more likely at the TD Garden if they go there.
0: Yeah, the beautiful thing about the playoffs, Rob, is if you finish in the top five or really the top four, uh, you'll get a home game in the second round, and you're just one win away from the Garden. You're one home win away, and uh, whether it be Merrimack or, North- or Northeastern, you got to feel good about that.
1: Yeah. One game elimination this year, all around, and I think that's going to be fun. Kind of a throwback when I started doing this the old ECAC. Uh, sometimes the eight would knock off the one, right? Right, bigger lead, and it was just a big deal. Of course, now with the pairwise and the fact that uh, you can lose if you're good enough, you can lose the game and not worry about your future. You're, you still have a chance at the NCAA tournament,
0: absolutely. Well, um. There was a coaching change at Northeastern, uh, Rob. You, Jim Madigan had been there for uh, quite a while. Of course, uh, Jim uh, is now the athletic director, director at Northeastern. And uh, and uh, Coach Keefe has come in and done a tremendous job. Tell us a little bit about him and his roots to Northeastern and uh, how he's made the program successful.
1: Well, Jerry was an assistant with Jim Madigan during Jim Madigan's time, and they were, and they did a great job working together. They were really a good pair. Um, and they had a lot of success, and the recruiting, you know, you've seen some of these players. They had a Hobie Baker winner in Adam Gaudet not that long ago. So um, it was kind of a seamless transition, I would say. Uh, Jerry Keith is a local guy, and he went to Providence College. He was a very good player when he was younger. He understands the game. He's a player's coach he'll he'll drive them he loves to watch video and the players do as well they they've really bought into the, the system uh, as he's been there and you know to win 22 games and counting in the first is the first northeastern first year head coach to win 20 or more games so he's had a lot of success and uh very happy for me he's a wonderful guy to work with i've enjoyed knowing him all these years and. You know he's been a great help. We have a good interview uh, before games that we air between periods on our broadcasts, and so uh, yeah, things have really worked out, and uh, which is great.
0: Absolutely. Now, Rob, how would you compare Coach Keefe's style with Coach Madigan's? As you said, he was on Jim's staff, and uh, does he approach the game in a similar way? And does he have sort of a similar personality to Jim?
1: Well, that's a question you you should ask the players, <laughs> but for my standpoint the team plays a lot similarly um the one thing i do know that jerry does with these uh, kids is they they study film they watch a lot they work on uh various aspects of the game trying to get themselves better and watch what the other schools are doing and how they play and working on attacking their their strengths and going after the weaknesses of the other Uh, team. I hear that more this year. Uh, Now that I'm speaking more with Jerry Keith, uh, used to be able to speak more with Jim Madigan. But I think the style of play for Northeastern is it's very aggressive. Uh, They like to use their speed. Uh, It's led by, you know, it starts with defense. And uh, when they're playing good defense and they're getting the puck out of their own zone quickly, that's kind of the Northeastern style.
0: Well, we look forward to that, certainly. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the bean pot too, Rob. Uh, First of all, how fun was it to be back in the Garden after it was canceled the previous year due to COVID? I was there for both games, and it was just so electric, uh, looking around the Garden and seeing how the fans really got into it. Uh, What was your perception about how fun it was to be back doing it in the Garden?
1: Well, you know, without having hockey uh, fans in the stands during the COVID pandemic, you could see that people really, they missed it. And they missed it to the point where as (laughs) soon as fans started to be allowed back in the arenas, whether it was the on-campus arenas of the schools or the big venue for a tournament like the Beanpot, they flocked to it, and they were spirited and excited about it. And there was more noise uh, than I can remember in this year's, pot. the first night yes the second night even more I thought and that final game uh, such energy with Boston University and Northeastern which is a really good rivalry it has been for a while and EU playing at the top of their game over the last month or so Uh, you could see it and no surprise that one goal uh, made the difference and it was a well-earned goal too on a beautiful play it wasn't a fluke goal it was something that BU earned, and Northeastern was really disappointed because they had won three in a row, and with one of them, one of the Bean Pots being canceled, that would that meant kind of a four-year reign there for the Huskies. And um, but uh, they're motivated, you know, to go back, and I think that's one thing that's picked them up the last uh, little bit of time here that they want to get back to the Garden, they want to get back in that building, they feel comfortable there. And so uh, that's what they're shooting for here is to get through uh, the next week plus and get back to the TD Garden for the Hockey East playoffs.
0: Indeed, Rob. And, you know, as far as the Beanpot itself was concerned, uh, I thought Northeastern had a solid first game against Boston College. And then, of course, that BU game that you alluded to, the one nothing game, as that game progressed, you know, as it got late into the second period, for example, I was saying – Man, you know, I think one goal is going to decide it. And uh, that was a battle for the ages. And I really have to commend the Northeastern fans who came out. That was as loud as I've ever heard that group. And I've heard them very loud in the garden. But uh, that was off the charts uh, for the Beanpot, for the whole experience.
1: Yeah, they bought extra tickets. They got their allotment uh, for Northeastern, for the student sections in the balcony. And then they got bought more. <laughs> so they... <laughs> They really filled in. Of course, where you were sitting uh, for that uh, those games, that was the side where Northeastern was, uh, you know, to your right and then underneath. And so they were right there, sh- literally shaking the. Uh, Uh, our area up on the ninth floor of the TD Garden.
0: Yeah, and I thought the first night was in particular a lot louder than the second. I I walked out of the garden almost deaf that first uh, night. But uh, no, it it was really, really fun to see and and fun to be a part of. And we're looking forward to the uh, playoffs coming back to the garden. We're talking with Rob Rudnick. He is the longtime radio voice of Northeastern men's hockey. And uh, Rob, I believe you're in your 45th year of calling Northeastern games. Am I correct?
1: Well, I stopped counting
0: a long time ago. All right. Well, we want to make sure. It's only a number. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to talk just a little bit about the the playoff race here, Rob, In the final weekend. Uh, We talked about UMass locking up uh, a quarterfinal game. They will finish no worse than third. But if you take a look, I talked about Merrimack and Northeastern finishing possibly as high as first or as low as sixth. But, Rob, take a listen to this. Uh, Three other teams in the league. UMass Lowell can finish as high as second and as low as sixth. UConn can finish as high as second and as low as seventh. And BU can finish as high as second and as low as seventh. So I know we've had some crazy finishes down to the finish line, Rob, but uh, this just takes it to a whole new level.
1: Yeah, it has been a great year for that. And it's nice to see that there's been some upsets, too. It's not only the same team. Merrimack up there in a tie for second. you know, Boston College is rarely below the line, and they are not going to play a game at home in the first round. I, I think they're stuck in that 8-9 spot at some yep. point. Yep. But they've just got their players back. They played one very good game against Northeastern last week, so they're going to be exciting. And UConn, you know, Mike Kavanaugh's done a great job. Northeastern just had two good battles with uh, the Connecticut Huskies, that's always the most difficult game to broadcast, by the way, the <laughs> are playing the Huskies. So uh, that was a challenge, but we made it through. And yeah. I uh,
0: watched that game by the way.
1: And they, well, I hope you knew who had the puck. I <laughs> you know, I always have a disclaimer at the beginning where if I say if North, if I say Huskies, probably Northeastern, I'll try to say Yukon or Connecticut when they have the puck, but uh, yeah, they've got uh, some older players and some strong forwards and, Uh, Their goaltending was good, and so both games, it was a night game at Northeastern and then an afternoon game in Hartford the next day, so it was a quick turnaround. And Northeastern fell behind at the old, I still call it the old Hartford Civic Center. It's now the XL Center, and uh, Northeastern came back in that one. Connecticut had a goal disallowed on goaltender interference. A lot going on down there, but uh, yeah, I would expect UConn to be A challenging factor in hockey East postseason.
0: Yeah, Merrimack has played extremely well over the past couple of months, but UConn is one team that has had their number. Merrimack went down to the XL Center and lost a close game 3-2, and then when UConn came to North Andover, uh, they beat Merrimack 6-2, and uh, that was kind of a wake-up call for the Warriors, so you're absolutely right. I think Mike Cavanaugh has this team ready to go. Uh, The only playoff series, Rob, that is set in stone right now is Boston College. They're going to play UNH. The only question is where will that where will that one game take place? Right now, B.C., I believe, is two points ahead of UNH, but it all comes down to this weekend. B.C. has UMass home and away. UNH has UMass Lowell. So there'll be a lot of scoreboard watching all around the league. From every game, it has relevance.
1: Yep, yep. And your Merrimack team, boy, you've beaten BU and B.C. and Providence and UMass Lowell this year. You've had some signature wins on that program. So you're at the well-deserved, Uh, 13-win regular season, and uh, what, does Merrimack have 18 wins now maybe overall? That's good for you. I hope you and Mike have enjoyed uh, calling those games. It's been exciting for you.
0: Yeah, we sure have. It's been a season where Merrimack has swept Providence. They've swept UMass Lowell. They split with uh, BC and BU, who always seem to give the Warriors trouble. Uh, so it's uh, Merrimack is buying into the system uh, from uh, Coach Scott Boric And uh, it's an exciting time here in uh, North Andover. And, uh, Rob, I... I, I I know that uh, we're going to have fun down at Matthews uh, on Friday, and then when you come to Merrimack on Saturday, it's going to be just as electric. What what do you think we'll expect in terms of uh, a uh, a crowd environment at Matthews on Friday night?
1: Well, hopefully it'll be a good crowd. Uh, the students have been coming out, the doghouse, Some of them you saw at the TV Garden for the bean pot. Uh But the, the team's been playing well this year, so they typically draw well when they uh, are playing well. And hopefully it'll be a A good uh, night for noise in the world's oldest multi-purpose athletic building, I believe. 2010, they had a 100-year birthday at Matthews. Right, right.
0: I wanted to also, Rob, quickly get your thoughts on Northeastern's opponent today. Now, by the time we publish this tomorrow, the game will be over, but uh, we're about uh, – let me check my watch here. We're about an hour away from puck drop up in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, Northeastern and Vermont are playing a makeup game a uh, from uh, COVID, a COVID cancellation. How difficult do you think it is for the team to go up to Vermont for one game on a Tuesday? That's got to be tough.
1: You know, I honestly think that when you're that age, things don't affect you as much Good point. Lag, uh, playing a day game after a night game. Um, I just think these guys, they love to play and they want to play and maybe it'll take a little bit out of them. Uh, maybe we'll learn more on Friday, uh, depending on how that game plays out. But uh, I would expect that they are enthusiastic about it. They know it's a game. They really want to win with the pairwise In effect, it's you don't want to lose a game to a lower school if possible so i expect that they'll be uh, into it and energetic about it and, and we shall see
0: absolutely rob and as far as playing in the gutterson Fieldhouse is concerned i don't care what vermont's record you can take that and throw it uh what their record is you can take that and throw it out the window because when the gutterson Fieldhouse is alive that's a very intimidating place to play i don't know i don't care who you are
1: i agree they have that kind of unique Uh, two sections of fans right behind the goaltender that's right on them. And and it's kind of a steep uh, seating situation right behind. And it does make it very difficult for opposing teams because they can get loud. And that's one of the great towns where the, 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 the townspeople come to the games as well as the students, you know, they do that in Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont. So hockey East is lucky. I think they have such diversity. They have some inner city, uh, programs and then they have some out in the country too
0: well uh i know you have you've been having ben weiss doing some stats for you are we going to see him friday night
1: yes ben has been great he's been working with us since he went to northeastern and was a manager on the hockey team back in the old uh, ben smith days when he was the coach and so it's been great to have ben weiss on our broadcast he he'll do uh stats on friday he'll do color i think on our broadcast on saturday at Merrimack and. Uh, yeah. No. Thank you for bringing Ben up. We don't uh, talk about him enough in these situations, but uh, he's been a huge part of the Huskies' radio team now for many years.
0: Well, Rob, before I wind things up here, let me get your thoughts on what you expect this weekend in, in between Northeastern and Merrimack. From my own personal perspective, Rob, I'm expecting two very close games, uh, maybe one goal game, uh, maybe maybe a two goal game. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to have a playoff feel. Um, what are your thoughts on how you think this is going to play out this weekend?
1: Well, we're, I'm interested, as I mentioned, to see the tall goaltender if he plays, although I know Zach Borjil's a good goalie as well. Yep. You have a great face-off guy, Max Newton. Uh, Northeastern's best face-off player is Justin Ritschkovian, and he's injured right now, so you won't see him. So Newton may end up being a key in the uh, in the face-off circle. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Do you have any Jim BC type players on your – your team this year. I, I know uh, he was one of the best players I ever saw uh, going back to the 1980s.
0: Well, I think for Merrimack, getting a guy like Philip Forsmark back in the uh, lineup and getting him going uh, is important. He had to sit out a year due to NCAA uh, uh protocols, but uh, he came back last year during the COVID year. I thought he was terrific. And, and I think there's a lot of similarities between Merrimack and Northeastern in that you guys have five players with 20 or more points. Merrimack also has five players with 20 or more points, but but the defense has been rock solid with the likes of Ewins and Vanel, And Declan Carlisle is just a puck eater. He's got 72 blocks. He leads Hockey East, and, and you mix that in with the solid goaltending they've gotten night after night. I think you're going to see two electric games this weekend, Rob.
1: I hope so. I hope you just either sold some tickets or found some listeners for us.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, of course, you guys are on 98, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Is that correct?
1: We're on the HD2 uh, for 98.5 The Sports Hub. And uh, you can uh, listen uh, by on your phone, your tablet, whatever, your laptop, whatever you've got. You can hear that uh, internet broadcast or on the HD2. Um, yes.
0: Uh, great, Rob. Listen. They've been
1: great. They've been a great yep. partner. It's been really enjoyable to be working with them as well. Um, we have a pretty good fan base, as do you guys. And hopefully it's all going to work out the way we expect. So I hope you're right. Two-one goal game. We'd, we'd enjoy broadcasting them.
0: Absolutely. Last thing before I let you go, uh, I I'm I'm actually meeting with my niece after the game. Uh, she's going to be coming over. Uh she's actually going to Suffolk Law School, so we're actually going to try and grab maybe a bite after the game. Can you recommend a, a good restaurant around Northeastern? I don't, I know there must be some.
1: Well, there might be. But, you know, in the old days we'd go out after the game. Every one of us all the time. Don't do it anymore. Yeah, right. So, right. When you get older, you go home after the games, but there's a lot of stuff in that neighborhood and i hope that you'll find something worthwhile
0: very good well rob uh, i i got to let you go uh, i want to thank you so much for uh, being with us it's always such a, a great thrill to talk uh, to you and and Talk a little bit about the stories that you've seen over the years, and and helping me preview this Merrimack Northeastern weekend, which I think is going to be epic. Like you said, I think it's going to be the biggest series, the regular season series these two teams have ever played. I'm looking forward to seeing you at Matthews Friday, and then uh, back in Merrimack on Saturday night. And uh, be well, and uh, thanks again so much for being on the show,
1: John. You know I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you so much. It's always great to chat with you. You you're one of the big reasons why. Uh, We have such a great broadcasting fraternity in Hockey East. Uh, You and Bernie and Mike Logan and John Risch, you mentioned Mark Murphy was on your show, and I know I've left out a few others, but a great group of guys. And so, John, thanks so much for uh, having these programs, and uh, good luck to you and Merrimack, and we'll see you this weekend.
0: Excellent, Rob. Thanks so much. Well, you have been listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's broadcast booth. Uh, Next week, we will have playoff hockey, and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that. So invite you to stick around next week. So thanks again for my special guest, Northeastern radio voice, Rob Rudnick. I'm John Leahy, and we will talk to you next week. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit (laughs) hugsformito.org.